0: Today, we're going through the last days, as said by Jesus, and we're up to just right at the end of uh, chapter 24, and then we're going into 25, and one of the points, spoiler alert, one of the points today is anticipation, anticipation, and because of that, uh, we're going to finish with worship, because um, this is what we're about, we're anticipating Jesus, And so I want, um, this is going to be the warm-up for the worship today, okay? So uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Lord, we want to um, say we're so looking forward to your return. We are anticipating your return. And help us today as we look at your word and your words today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Uh, when I was a school teacher, about this time of year, and um, if you had a few wet days in a row, one of the very worst times, Tanya will tell you, it will be wet weather lunch times. <laughs> and it's that gap between where you, you have a teacher, you're in the classroom, everything's fine, you're in control, and then... Uh, You've got to have lunch, you need a rest, you're out. Those kids are alone, often, uh, for 40 or 50 minutes. And that gap from when you were there and you leave and you come back, all sorts of chaos and carnage can take place. And so uh, this passage today is that possibility of things going wrong. There is that possibility of things going really well. When Jesus returns for us in terms of our and it, it depends on our decisions. but it can go real bad. And so let's read that uh, passage today. It's Matthew 24:45 to51. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there's that gap. That gap. Jesus was here. He was on earth in the bodily form, died, was resurrected, left to be with the Father. But he's coming back, and there's that gap between. He was here. He's not here. He's going to come back. But we're waiting. It's like the difference between uh, D-Day and VE Day in World War II. D-Day, when the Allies, they landed on uh, Normandy beaches, the war wasn't over, but it was the beginning of the end. They knew once they landed successfully, they were going to win. But the winning didn't actually come till VE Day when Germany surrendered. D-Day, VE Day, we're in that gap. And there's a big fight going on. Some of the worst fighting of World War II was in that gap. So, there's three things I want to say today, and they're all to, uh, the, the sound of shun, T I O N, shun. And the first one is caution. We need to take, in this gap, we need to take proper caution. Uh, like on a road that I didn't take caution. I was uh, picking up Sha from a woman's retreat in Wairarapa about 20 years ago. I was late and I had to pick her up and take her with me to a family sort of reunion. I was a bit late and um, out in the Wap Waps in Wairarapa and uh, driving Tarsio and then caution signs, roadworks, gravel, that sort of thing. I, I don't think there's gravel here. And there wasn't. And then all of a sudden, there was. And um, I just started skidding. I lost control of the car, skidded all around the road, and then ended up on the side of the bank, and two of my tires were on the road, and two weren't. And I was going to get out of there, and I thought, whoa, I can't do that, and had to get out the other side. And there were signs. There were caution signs. But I didn't take any notice. And this is what Jesus is saying here. Caution in the gap. In the gap. Caution. And that's why there's some some of this passage, it's scary stuff. Verse 51 51. Then he will cut into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's dramatic. It's brutal to not just kill someone, but cut them. Uh, And the word can mean cut in half, or can mean cut in pieces. Why not just kill him? Um, And on first appearance, it, it seems like, you know, he hasn't done all that bad. You know, he's just eating and drinking. Bit rough, you know, bit of a tough boss. But that's not what Jesus says. You know he he might think he's just enjoying um, uh, good work-life balance, you know, having some barbecues, um, you know he's a bit of a hard doer as a boss, but nah, it's not good enough. Actually, it's rebellion. It's rebellion. the The Lord, the main boss, had said to him, "This is what you need to do. this is how you're to treat." Your fellow workers, this is how you, to, to help them. And it was rebellion. Two elements to it. There was an aggressive element. Verse 49, he was beating his other fellow servants. And there was a passive, aggressive element. Eating and drinking. It's not exactly evil in itself, but that is not what the master had told him to do. Why, why cut him in pieces? Why cut him in half? Yeah, he's already dead, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but in non Western cultures, how you treat the body is really important. In fact, when we were in West Africa with our tribe, uh, one of the main threats the non Christians had against the Christian believers was this they said, um, When you die, no one will bury you, your body will just be left in the middle of the street. That was a powerful threat to the Christians, because the, the, the burying of the body was, was really important. I've just finished a missionary uh, biography, a missionary who's down in Wellington area called Octavius Hadfield, and so he started in the, um, in the 30s, 1830s, and um, cannibalism was still going on in those days, and... Uh, one of the things of cannibalism was not just meat, it was the um, desecration of the body of your enemy, that you would um, take a very tapu, a very sacred thing, and put it right through your body, right out, the other end, the least tapu part. You know, you not only killed your enemy, you actually really dishonoured them. And this is, this is sort of what's going on here in these words. At this time of Jesus, the, the dishonor. So this is not the way God uh, is going to judge us. The, it's, it's hyperbole. It's deliberate exaggeration. Like when Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your arm causes you to sin, chop it off. So Jesus is not asking us to go around maiming ourselves and blinding ourselves. He's saying, take sin seriously. And here Jesus is saying, you know, take this gap seriously. Caution. Caution in the gap. It will end badly if we don't do well in the gap between he was here and he's coming back. We've got to do well in the gap. Caution. Kia tu Mind the gap. Caution, that's the first shon. The second shon is instruction in the gap. Verse 45, giving food at the right time. So the head servant was asked by the big boss to give the other servants their food at the correct time. You know, in the West, if you're the boss, often you work pretty hard. I have a friend, her father was a high school principal. She said um, his work day went something like this. From 5am, he would work to 7am at home, uh, in his office, at home. From uh, 7, for about an hour, he'd have breakfast with the family and get them off um, to their school, etc. Uh, he'd go to school, he'd work, he'd ha- often have meetings, uh, and if he didn't, he'd be working again after dinner at night. If you're the boss in the West, often you work hard. In West Africa, we found that was not really the case because the hard part was getting the job. If you could get a job, if you could get a full-time job, that was amazing, particularly in an office job. And therefore, once you got the job, the work had been done, and you didn't really expect to work very hard. And so uh, I remember the first time in our town, I had to pay three bills, uh, water, power, and phone. And silly on me, I thought I'd do it. And so I went off to the three different offices in town. I could not get the boss <laughs> that, to pay the money, and only a, there's only a limited amount of people you could pay money to. And he was, um, the different bosses are away, or they're often out in the market, greeting people, shaking hands. <laughs> the idea is here. Suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, Ah, my master is staying away a long time. Then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. Big boss seems nowhere in sight. So, the local boss, I'm just going to take it easy. Just going to eat and drink. Just going to, you know, make sure those under me know that I'm the boss and the big boss the Lord says that is wicked that's wicked that's wicked behaviour that's not what I ask you to do the ex- his expectation is that he had this other servant in charge the head servant and he would organise the other servants he'd facilitate their service he would give them their food at the correct time Give them their food at the correct time. What does that mean? Peter. When Jesus reinstalled Peter, end of the Gospel of John, what did Jesus tell Peter to do? Three times, just to make it clear, same number of times that Peter had denied Jesus. John 21 15. Jesus said to Peter, Feed my lambs. 21, 16. Take care of my sheep. 21, 17. Feed my sheep. Feed them. Feed them. Your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, feed them. Instruct them. End of the Gospel, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The early church uh, in Acts says they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Ezekiel 34, thus says the Lord, Woe, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? No, feeding feeding the flock not cruising around on the motorbikes shaking hands what has the lord asked you to do what is the feeding you are to do what teaching what help with kids or youth group or preschool or so like i'm so grateful for those that are involved in teaching and the youth and uh growth groups and all sorts of things um uh, and let's not forget our secular jobs as well. And uh, don't worry if it's are just young or if it's just a few. You're doing it for the Lord. It's not about the numbers. Um, I heard about a, a former pastor, and he was, he was not great at preparing his messages. And his oversight said to him, you know, why don't you just, um, he was also working full-time, I believe. Why don't you just take, you know, the day off, Saturday, just concentrate on your message? So he did that, and then um, he prepared a good message, and then he turned up, and hardly anyone was there. He was really disappointed, and he said to the worship leader, ah, oh, we're just going to sing today. I'm going to save this message until there's more people. <laughs> Doesn't matter about the number, no. Doesn't matter about the numbers. <clears throat> If you, you know, if the Lord's asked you to teach, then teach. And the other side of that, by the way, is we are not to be know-it-alls. You know, you can get into that thing of, I've been a Christian so long, I actually don't need to learn all that. I know it, you know. mohil Kato, they call it. Nah, it's teaching and it's learning. You know, occasionally you come across people in church they, they don't want to be under teaching. They'll be around it, but they'll wander. They won't actually sit and be taught. There's something spiritual going on there. So let's keep ourselves with teachable hearts, willing, able to be instructed. Instruction. Even if it's a few, even if they're young. Do well with the V-bubs. Do well with the morning tea. Do well with the V-mids. Uh, set up, pack down. Whatever it is the Lord asks you to do, secular work. Um, do it with all your might. I remember, I think it's about my second year at university, I really felt the Lord said a strange thing to me. It was out of Proverbs. And it was because I was um, just a lazy guy. You know, I knew how to Pass. And, and I was reading Proverbs, and it, and it jumped out at me, the lazy man is brother to him who destroys. Well, you know, I'm going to come out of this with some sort of qualification, and it would be good that I actually knew something, not just past, and it really changed me. That, whoa, I think God is asking me to actually learn something here. <laughs> uh, and verse... Um, Actually, we'll come to that. Jeremiah, if you have raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, how can you compete with horses? Remember John Phillips? Uh, John and Sarah were here last year and they rang up the other day and um, a beautiful thing has happened that their daughter has come to the Lord just in the last um, 12 months and their son-in-law and they are keen as mustard. And... um, and, and the husband, Clive, he really wants to know the word. And so they live one and a half hours away. They're down in Kaikoura. And so it's a bit hard for John and Sarah to get there, but they're trying, you know. And um, Clive was so keen, he would lined up a um, Jehovah's Witness Bible study for himself. And John, uh, it's, not, it's not not so good. <laughs> uh, and But Clive says to him, John... Teaching me one hour a week of the Bible, that's not good enough. You need to teach me three hours a week of the Bible. (laughs) Isn't that good? You know, that hunger, that hunger for knowledge of the Lord, of the Word of God. Caution in the gap. Instruction in the gap. And the last one, anticipation in the gap. You know, Christian faith is always faith. On tiptoe. Faith on tiptoe. That is what it is. We're we're waiting and we're watching. We're hoping for the return of the Lord. When He comes back, it's been a while. It's been so long. Wish he'd come back. He's, he's not. He's not back yet. But when he does, says this, it will be good for that servant whose masters finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. You know, faith is living out our convictions for the long haul. Um, Over time, carrying on. My friend Gabe, he's passed away now. He's an incredibly strong man. He's a a laborer all his life. And and I remember putting out chairs with him at church one time, and he was, Whoa, how many, cha- how many of these he could carry on? Just two arms, <laughs> amazing. I said, whoa, Gabe, you're an amazing worker. And he said, oh, my, my, my brother Mike's better, uh, but only for three days. He could not stick at a job for longer than three days. <laughs> but faith, part of faith is faithfulness to the end. And he will put him in charge of all his possessions. You know, like, like Joseph at the end of... Genesis. He endured so much. Mistreatment. Treachery of his own brothers. Uh, the, the, the falsity. But God vindicated him in the end. This, uh, this child of Jacob, patriarch of the faith, re- received huge blessing and responsibility in the end. And he took some hits to get there. But he was faithful to what the Lord had uh, given him to do. How does it end? How does it end? How does it end? We'll go to the end of the book to find out how it ends. This is how it ends. Revelation 22, verse 7. Behold, I'm coming soon. Woo! Behold. This is how it ends. This is how the book finishes. Behold, I'm coming soon. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears, come. Whoever's thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take up the free gift of the water of life. Amen. Faith on tiptoes. We're waiting for you, Jesus. Come. Your bride, the church. We say, come. Amen. Caution. Instruction anticipation. Amen. Amen. And uh, as part of that, we're going to carry on in some worship for a while.